Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm joined today by Dr. Charlie Weingroff, who might be the most pioneering man in all of uh, the blend of clinic and gym I've ever met. Charlie, how are you? <laughs> What's up, man? I'm a pioneer, huh? Yep. You know what they say, you can always tell the pioneers because they've got arrows sticking out of them. Uh, what's that? Like, uh, yeah, uh, the, my, my line for that is um, a little bit more arrogant. It is, uh, hey, you can do what you want to do, but you know what? When you look up, you're going to see the back of my jersey and it's going to say Weingroff because I'm way out ahead of you. <laughs> At that point, you can then shoot as many arrows as you want because I got a really yeah. big back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, uh, Charlie, you've been in the in the game quite a bit, and um, for those who don't know, uh, a while back, I don't even know remember the first year you released it, but you have the training equals rehab, um, I call it an ecosystem, but you've built a series of educational products. When was the first one released? Released in uh, early part of 10. Uh, it was filmed in, um, I want to think, October or November of, of, uh, Oh nine. Okay. Mm, whatever it was, the information was from Oh nine. Okay. It was cause I, uh, the, at that time Equinox, which is a big gym, um, very high end brand. They were cultivating a top tier group of their trainers. They called it tier four at that time. And Geraldine Coopersmith, who has bounced around with very, very high-profile positions in, in fitness, was in charge of this at that, at that time. And she asked if, if I was able to deliver something that bridged the gap between personal training and physical therapy. That was the terms. And that's actually on the first slide. Now, I've come to despise uh, bridge the gap. There's some horrible, horrible human beings that uh, use that term, and, and I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, so I, I don't bridge the gap. I don't think there is a gap. And that was really what I even went back to in 09. There is no gap. Uh, it's just one thing, and people just have different expertise uh, in order to affect that thing, which is the human system. So the first DVD... I, I guess every year that goes by, there's less and less that I would currently agree with, but all the concepts have never, ever, never, ever changed. So I think, again, it, it was, it, I was working on the PowerPoint probably January, February, 09. Uh, and then uh, the first time we ever did it was in Palo Alto, uh, which was for the Equinox group there. I, I don't remember if the second one was New York or California or, or LA, but New York was the one that, so like, that, that's all like live. Like, like it was, there yeah. was nothing rehearsed. It wasn't like, okay, hold on. We have to go do that one over again. 
it was just a camera dude following me around at that time as well. I think it was the first, obviously now these things aren't really part of our market, you know, for learning, um, DVDs, like what is that? Uh, um, at that time it was the first one filmed in 4k and I think it was the first that had, uh, uh, three cameras. Um, and all I did was take the money that I made from Equinox and just put it into that and gave it a ride. So it's, um, it, uh, it was, it was, it's, it's, it's old. It's old now. Yeah. Well, this is back to when, uh, you couldn't film it with your cell phone. I mean, now you can get away with so much, just somebody holding your cell phone, you know, that the image is so yeah. great. And then you actually had to hire a crew with, with cameras and whatnot. With cell so. phones. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, we, we actually, uh, we filmed something recently up in Connecticut uh, and they, I, I paid extra, which wound up meaning I'd, I'd be less work down the road because I don't do the editing. I've never even watched any of my stuff. I, I can't do that. I can't sit there and watch. Um, it edited while, while it was filming. Wow. So like as soon as they were done, like it was ready to, Lock to market. Off. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That's crazy. Well, so so that was back in 09, let's say 10. So it's at least 10 years, uh, 10 years old. And the uh, you kind of progressed from, you said your, your principles and your, your concepts have not changed, but the actual tactics have revised uh, where necessary. And, and recently I saw that you put out one um, all about ACL rehab. Yeah, yeah. That was um, on my list to do for a very, very long time. And um, it began with uh, my friend, uh, his name is Vince Gabriel, very, very mm-hmm. successful gym owner in Northern Yeah, he's a great podcast and has a great, great gym. Listen to his yep. work quite a bit. Now, he, uh, he would, part of his success, you know, is a little bit of taking advantage of some good things. So now Vince was a, a, a Division One athlete, a very, very mm-hmm. high-level athlete that came out of where he currently lives. So he already had some shine. So now here's this great athlete that everybody knows. Everybody knows played football, and now he's opening a gym. So there, it, there's, a, there's a level of marketing credibility that you can't really buy. Uh, right. Everybody knows him. Everybody likes the family, blah, blah, blah. So uh, he was doing very, very well in terms of acquiring – high school, uh, athletic, you know, development, uh, yeah. crowd. It wasn't just people. It was, he was doing very well. And, and with that, he, he started to see a lot of primarily young girls that, that, uh, had ACL issue. And he would call me and be like, dude, like, what am I, they're, they're not ready to be training. They're all like rehab. So then, Usually I would see them once a month as a physical therapist and then tell them, you know, where to go. And, um, he had a, a massage therapist, uh, in his gym at that time. And I would have no problem with a competent massage therapist, not only competent with their hands, but also competent in not being a cowboy. You want to call me a pioneer? I'm not interested in cowboys, um, where this, this is what you should do. Uh, and not, not anything else. Now I can't like after that I'm back off and I'm not saying it and like you need to do what I tell you I'm not I'm not involved in that but Vince could handle that so this is where this is what I would do for from a manual therapy standpoint and this is what I would do for training 
And it wound up being a lot of, lot of uh, girls. And they were doing very, very well because part of the concepts that we talk about from even 2010 that have not changed is I, I don't think just because someone had a surgery doesn't mean that they, that the only person on earth is this man or woman that had gone to physical therapy school. Like, I don't believe that. Like information is not uh, exclusive to the letters that you put after your name. Your experience right. is, is what is. So if I teach someone else to be a technician and be like, do this and don't do this, especially when the person is not going to work with me, because even at that time, 2012, whatever it was, you know, I started to you know, be all over the place. I, I, I wasn't seeing people in, the, uh, in this, you know, I'm not available. Like just today I told, right. no, I need to see you two, two to three times a week. Like, well, that'd be great, except that's not available. Like it's not even a money thing. It, it's, it's. It's, it's not a possibility. Yeah. It's not, it's not how I work. Uh, yeah. uh, there are, there are times of the year, like we talked offline where uh, I do work and I, and it's been so exciting to be able to, you know, work, uh, you know, four or five days a week, you know, just training people. Uh, right. um, but um, getting back to that situation with Vince, they, these people are doing so well. And also because it does land the, the ACL collective does lend to this. They, there's not a lot of need for, especially if you get out of the gate the proper way and it's a, and it's a, a suitable surgery, which doesn't always happen even with the best surgeons. Um, I mean, a, a, a high training age person may not require any therapy. Like if we're going to say therapy is, is, is what someone does to you and rehab is what you do for yourself. Um, I could spend an hour with somebody in like once a month and be like, you're good. Like, depending on where they depend, you know, in, in different situations, sure. but that's not a, you know, it's not a ludicrous, you know, uh, commentary. No. So uh, Vince was able to turn that into the local physicians recognizing it. And he began to, you know, now, you know, I don't know how much of your listeners are on the, the training side, but you know, of course they get all mad that, how come doctor doesn't refer to me? Well, here's a situation where Vince was getting referrals from physicians, orthopedic surgeons, because when these kids came back, he's like, where'd you go? Where'd you get your therapy? No, I didn't go to therapy. I went to Gabriel Fitness. And he started to send people there. And Vince, Vince then continued to buckle up. Uh, and at that time, he and I became close friends. But, but he initially, um, Charlie, what would it cost to do this? Done. You know, like he, he was, I mean, that, that's his lesson to pay for, for things that can help your, your business. Right. Um, it, it has evolved, you know, from, you know, to, to other things um, where now I'm like, uh, you know, I'm a brother, you know, with the three sisters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but uh, uh, we, we then took that, that ACL, you know, project and then turned it into like a, like a working document, which also had physical return to play. Mm. which we'll talk about, I think, later on when, when, when you have the more poignant questions. Um, and, and he basically became like an emissary of what I would do. And he'll, right. he'll, and this isn't about ego or anything. He's like, you know, I'm more complimentary to him. Like, like he mm-hmm. had to execute all this stuff. And you can't be afraid of somebody whose knee that hurts, you know, because like, with an ACL, it shouldn't really hurt. If you do this, you can unhurt it and then do your exercise if you need um, so, so, uh, well, I think it's, like, it's great that he recognized a market that was in need 
instead of just going after the standard, you know, 40 year old soccer mom that, that fills up fitness studios. And, and I mean, I think it's a, it's a win all around because the other thing is that those, uh, in a lot of those cases, especially adolescent females, if they don't, if they don't get muscled up at that point, it may Uh, never happen. Post-surgical, you know, they they may just dive down and, and never achieve any sort of athleticism. You're absolutely right. And, and there's a, now, I, I can say that some of the most fun uh, situations that I have ever been involved in in my uh, professional career, uh, during the, the brief periods of time where I have worked a nine to five, um, mm-hmm. which would be from 07 to 09, I think, uh, the, those girls. Those, those girls. We had a nice little mousetrap in New Jersey where I worked for a hospital. So they were able to kind of market what I do, uh, but charge physical therapy. And it was totally above board and legal, yeah. et cetera. Uh, it, it, it's like, you know, injury prevention, you know, which is clearly right. a, a, a billable and ethical thing for all allied health uh, professionals. And, and, not, and, and it's so like those the only time these girls would ever get an opportunity to get exposed to things is through this now. And, and believe it or not, one in particular that I know, you know, is, is she, she's not hard to find, you know, in her uh, comments about me on, in, in, in social media, uh, Caitlin uh, went on to, I don't, I, I'm not sure she's, she's, I think at a certain point she had U S records uh, in, um, powerlifting in a, in a different federation than where, where I would have competed in. Um, but more importantly, she's in the process of getting her PhD uh, in physical fitness. And, and her mom, you know, and she's become like a sister to me over the years, certainly not while, while I was her therapist. And, and her mom, this is all your fault. This is the, the only reason she's into powerlifting is because of you. And, and she's one of the examples where she never mm-hmm. would have found this path if she hadn't torn her ACL. And, and there was other girls that were just, they were, they would destroy the boys, especially pull-ups because of the relative body weight piece. But, you know, for when the, when the, when the boys would come in and watch what the girls were doing, cause they, they would be able to come in because they weren't practicing. So they mm-hmm. would come in early. And then by the time they finished, then the second wave of kids would come in after practice. practice. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or the adults coming in after work and they, they, they were just, I mean, I could tell you. Now, there's things that I did with them that I wouldn't do. It was probably too aggressive, but there was never an issue. But, I mean, you know, Caitlin, for instance, I remember her, you know, probably weighing 105 pounds and deadlifting 225 sumo. Um, I remember another young girl who, um, uh, I don't know what you, technically you want to call it. So we're doing a single leg squat with your leg hanging off the side of the box. Mm-hmm. So it never, you don't really have to manage it. Uh, and she had 17 and a half in each hand, ass to grass. Um, with, and she had a meniscal repair and ACL. I mean, that is no joke for any person to, to be doing, much less a young girl, you know, 16, 15 years old that weighs, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet. Um, I remember a girl, she yep. went to Brown or Cornell, rear foot elevated split squats with 55s in each hand. Um, and, and, and she wasn't, you know, the, you know, she probably weighed more than 110 pounds, but she wasn't like the, the bottom of the cheerleading. Like, like she still, you know, she, she wasn't that heavy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's some really cool, really cool things that we saw there. 
I, I think a, an exciting thing too is again at that moment, you know, especially if they're uh, maybe they're looking at a scholarship offer or something like that, and and this injury has set back everything in their life. The empowerment piece, the psychological piece of grabbing some heavy ass weight yep. and moving it, uh, you know, that spills out so far off the the lifting platform and off the out of the gym into every aspect of their life. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 all true. Yeah, a, a lot of it, unfortunately, is cliche, but it shouldn't be um, because we all find something uh, that somebody maybe provided for us. Now, I want to get back to Vince uh, as well during that period of time where I was helping him, and and he was very impressively uh, acquiring these referrals, which is really you know, unheard of. You know, to oh, I'm sure there were physical uh, therapy clinics that were just going; their mind was being blown. Like, how is yeah, this happening to us? Yeah, I mean, we're exactly. melting down. Exactly. Uh, and, and like the, 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 he, it, it furthered his relationship with these surgeons for all types of things. Cause then he would invite the surgeon to come do a talk. I mean, there was just so many angles. Now, the other thing though, it was, it was thrust upon him to a degree because as, as, as we all know, you know, insurance runs out. Insurance doesn't care if you do the protocol. Like they don't care. They're like, if you can wipe your bottom and, and go up and down the stairs, you're cut off. So what, or, or you've got these clown uh, surgeons that have, you know, like, oh, you're good. Like, this is ludicrous. Like, like, so like, where do you go? Uh, Well, whether they're reacting to the insurance running out or they're reacting to just what, what probably equates to, in my mind, negligence and malpractice, which is a complete ignorance to the difference between medically cleared and return to play. Yeah. And everything in between, which there's a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which which we'll get into. But the uh, where do you go? Well, you you're not good enough for your sport yet, so you go to the gym. So those weren't necessarily direct referrals, but oh, like Josh had an ACL and he's doing awesome, and he went to Vince Gabriel, so I need to go to a gym, so I'm going to go there too. And it really just set him off because as, 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 as you also know, because I know there's a, there's a business component to what we're talking about on this podcast, kids have parents. Parents can also train. <laughs> uh, now, I don't know the conversion, that, that, but I know uh, Vince is, is really doing well. And that was one of probably a few projects that really hit. And then a couple years later, because I had it all written down. And, and I would, I probably talked about it on a podcast or something. And I had, I started to get other trainers be like, Hey, listen, what would it cost if I come to the city and it's like two hours, two and a half hours, whatever you, and then you show me all the stuff that you're doing, you know, with ACL. Cause I think I'm in the same situation. And, and I'm like, I told one person, his name was Ryan. And I said, um, I said, here's the price. Now you'll see like, it's not cheap because the reason it's less than what you think <laughs> is because you're going to allow me to use this as a, to, to make a product. Like you're, you're not going to, you're not going to get mad that I charged you full price. And then I just took it and then flipped it to a whole bunch of other people. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, but I felt it was ethical to say like that was my intent. Um, and also to explain why it was probably less expensive than, than he thought it was going to be, uh, which he wasn't upset about. <laughs> so right. he, uh, um, that was still a couple of years, uh, but I always had it. And, and then, then we finally filmed it. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm actually glad because if you take V1 from, I'm going to guess 2012 or whatever from with Vince versus what, what got uh, final cut, 
of ACL in action, there's, it, it just grows. It's just, it's just bigger. It's badder. It's, it's like there's more stuff uh, mm-hmm. and more concepts that, uh, that, that weren't even a part of the, the first piece, the, the, the ver- first version. Yeah. Well, I think it's exciting too is, is it wasn't what can Charlie do with rehab? It was what can a, you know, what can a, I, I don't want to uh, uh, devalue Vince's skill set, but what can a trainer do with what Charlie has directed that's still effective? It's gone through that filter of a little game of telephone and yet it's still wildly effective. Yeah. It doesn't require the, the, Hawk supervision all the time. It's like, Hey, just have them do this stuff. And, and, you know, most of the time they do very well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, am not sure every sports or orthopedic post-surgical situation can lend to this, Mm -hmm. but most of them can, if you have the right people. And I think the word that I would use is not the trainer and the therapist. It's it's just a model. Like this is a model. It's a system Right. Uh, a model and a system are, in my mind, two different things. But in this case, they, they both apply where you just, you, you're going to apply a plan. Do you know how to, to bang a hammer? Yes. Are you hammer certified? No. Hold on a second. Let me see you bang a hammer. All right, go ahead. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, especially when it becomes more practical. Now, look, you have to navigate you know, legal concerns and, and sure. you can't um, present yourself as something that you're not. But remember, too, these are these are young. At that time, these were young people. They're not. It's not like a fourteen-year-old a, a girl is coming into my office without their parent. Like, like they, you know, we're we're, sure. just, we're explaining. It's like, in my opinion, um, and because you're an hour and ten minutes away, obviously, there's uh, other logistics in terms of finances, insurance. You don't need to see me if you're okay with Vince following what I would do. And in my opinion, he's going to do it just as good as me. Because just because I'm a physical therapist and he's not doesn't mean he can't coach a split squat like I can. It's right. the exact same. Now, I don't expect him to be doing cross friction. Uh, or at least, and he didn't because he had a massage therapist do that, mm-hmm. if it was even necessary. And, and we, we, we cheapened, not financially, but we cheapened the, the execution of the model right. with foam, foam rollers and sticks and lacrosse balls, which is not as good as hands and, and other things, but they're, they're better than zero. And, and then they would come back. And it's like, yeah, we can see you once a month. I'm like, now, would it be better if I was in his office, in his gym? No, no question. Uh, I, I would have had much more business, but that's just not what we were doing. Right. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a system, you know, where everyone uh, can, can, can apply. Uh, and, and as you know, in the, I wasn't doing it in this case, but uh, an allied health provider can uh, own the profit margin on that process. Like a Cairo, a PT uh, are allowed to hire uh, a quote unquote trainer and charge a hundred dollars and pay the trainer 50 and you keep 50 that now it, the opposite can't happen in most States. There's probably a couple right. that you can't uh, like a trainer cannot hire a PT and charge the person a hundred dollars and give the PT 50. Mm-hmm. That's against the law in most States. I, I just don't know why this doesn't happen more um, outside of the risks involved in running a business. So, yeah. but if you, if you apply this model, you no longer have to rely on, well, I don't, you know, just do this at your gym. Like, yeah, why, why would you not? Like, like uh, obviously yeah. unless, unless the overhead and other reasons are. Yeah. And it certainly allows you to leverage this um, activity out. I mean, I don't know how many 
how many young athletes Vince was working with at the time, but uh, I would guess it would be greater than the number at the local PT clinic because you can run it in a, a gym setting, you know, and, it, and so it yeah. helps more people get more great work. So, well, there was, so, I, there's, there's also a, a component that, that the, uh, whether it's a numbers game or not, just like the facilities that I had when I was in New Jersey, you'd walk in and be like, am I in the right place? Like, this is like, especially when you talk about the metropolitan area, I'm sure everywhere is probably more similar than different, but like, yeah, that looks like a physical therapy clinic to me. That looks like a gym, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're that person, which one do you want to go to? Well, I have, you know, and, and uh, Exos was the first to ever really kind of have no wall to, to what they did from therapy, even though it was kind of off to the side, of course, you're going to put your tables in a sensible place. You're not going to put a table in the squat rack, but like how many, you know, I remember in New Jersey, we had two, you know, UCS, which is, you know, what at that time, if not now is the, the biggest and baddest squat rack you could buy. And that's what, you know, like, Oh, I, it's like, this is physical therapy on steroids, which yeah. you know, probably shouldn't be said as, you know, flip as it is, but, um, but that, that's, that's the it other should thing. should probably happen more often than it does. <laughs> no. We, yeah. we got to talk about legal, ethical morals, uh, uh, again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so just where everybody can kind of think of, I mean, when you went to a physical therapy school or when you got out and I would imagine you learned about ACL rehab in around that time, was this still the, uh, the, the era of leg extension machines and, and leg curl machines and compare the relative, uh, quote unquote strength of one side to the one limb to the other and make sure you had this degrees and Hey, that that's good enough. I think it probably was. I don't, I don't look, that was 99. So that's a long yeah. time. And, uh, well, the sad news is it could have been 89, 79, like, it just didn't progress much that, that I ever saw, you know, like, yeah, um, I, I think the, at that time, the open chain was, st- I, it was definitely isokinetic land, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is the most horrible thing in the world, but it, it certainly cannot be the only metric um, for determining return to play, which I think at that time was. So like the, 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 um, the myodex the, people, man, they, they, yeah, they must yeah. have mansions that were built uh, in the eighties and now, yeah a shack. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or, or they can, um, uh, you know, a, a PT that wasn't good enough to be a PT became a salesperson for these companies. And now they make up make believe, uh, continue education seminars. So, uh, um, yeah. that's what they do now to have their mansion, uh, similar charlatan like behavior. Well, so yeah. I just want to, I just want to dive into it, um, into some of these progressions and, and what you've learned along the way. Um, because, and then <clears throat> I might slow you down a little bit because, you know, one thing about Cairo is I think they have the skill set. Certainly if they've, they've done enough of the commercially available training, a lot of them have the skill set to take care of these people. But in school, we never learned like quote unquote protocol, but it's an interesting piece because I don't know if that is an advantage or it, perhaps it, it is an advantage to have never learned one and gone with one that is, is more supported by current research rather than just what the last guy who taught me learned, you know, that, that yeah, kind of yeah. idea. Yeah. So, um, I, I would be very, you know, look, you gotta, you gotta be in the game at, at some point and, and feel, feel good about making mistakes. And hopefully those mistakes do not have significant consequences. 
Um, and, and I think it's probably fair that your rank-and-file Cairo that even subscribes to more contemporary methods is it, just not, you know, like a place that an acute uh, injury outside of the spine. It's not, it's, in my mind, it's not where the market thinks. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully that's not out of line. Uh, and, and, and because of that, then uh, that Cairo doesn't get the repetitions mm-hmm. to, not ma- to make mistakes. Sure. Um, so, you know, but, but from a skill set, I mean, I, I think a chronic knee is something that the market probably is closer to thinking of a Cairo, um, right. uh, as, as someone that can mm-hmm. help them, uh, or gets recommended more, but, but okay. So if a Cairo has the skill set to handle a chronic knee issue, knee pain, et cetera, I mean, look, you want to go back to 2009. The special tests that an orthopedist uses are the same as what a physical therapist would use. I don't know why a Cairo would do it any different. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, now, I'm sure people that, that are still using, let's say, less than contemporary methods, they might have a reason why not to, to do that. And yeah. they can do what they do. That's okay. They're not bad people. They're just bad clinicians. Um, that, that's, uh, but the, um, I, I agree. I don't know why. Um, that's not an option, mm-hmm. you know, for these acute surgeries. Because I, I'll be, I'll be frank. Um, I don't think of of that many chiros that see rotator cuff repair. Mm-hmm. Now they'll see them, you know, month whatever when it's not quite a hundred percent. Right. Probably because the physical therapist did not engage in the proper manual therapy uh, at, at the right times. Yeah. I don't see, I don't think we see a lot of fresh wounds, you know, yeah, fresh yeah. post-surgical wounds in that first three to six months. I, I, now there may be some operating in, in some more, as you said, contemporary clinics where the model is blended a lot or, or, you know, their brother-in-law is an orthopedic surgeon. So they may be capturing a market that's being thrust upon them at Thanksgiving. I can respect all that. Uh, yeah. but in the most part, I think that, yeah, you're not seeing the fr- fresh wounds, but uh, either way, I would love to dive down this path and, and kind of hear what you've learned over the, over the years as a, as a physical therapist who you worked in a hospital system and you've also worked with the highest end of high-end athletes and, and been in the training rooms of professional settings and, uh, and national level teams and whatnot, because that, um, one thing that has surprised me along my path sometimes is how pervasive bad ideas are. Yeah. Well, they don't know that they're bad. So it's, uh, and the standards are, are so different. I didn't say lower or higher. They're different. People have different yeah. standards. Um, well, I think the, the first, the first piece to, to respond to that would be that, and this is not at all exclusive to, uh, 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 an acute ACL repair, reconstruction, something in month three or four or something two years later, uh, or any diet, it can be any diagnosis. No one individual owns the the, the process. Um, you know, the, there there are certain um, there are certain members of the of the model that get called up to the front uh, when the model's inherent evaluation system calls upon you. So if 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 the model calls for surgery, the surgeon runs up front and and he does mm-hmm. his work. And then you probably should go away. Like, I'm not sure what their need is um, after. Uh, well, they, they need to make sure the wound is healed. 
Um, but after that, I, I'm not crystal clear as to why they're the ones. There. Because I do hear from a lot of my PT friends uh, that work in, say, an outpatient clinic that a, a lot of surgeons demand a certain protocol or want to influence the rehab protocol. Does that, is that pretty, pretty true for all surgeries and all surgeons, or is that kind of specific to the ACL? Uh, there's a couple different answers in there. Number one, let's start with the easiest. No, it's, it's, it's based on a surgeon. Like there you got, you're dealing so with, a, a, just you're dealing with a, yeah, you're dealing with a punk versus somebody who trusts somebody. Okay. Um, whether it's ego, whatever it is, who, who are you talking to? Like, I, you know, like, like doc, how many, how many ACLs have you rehabbed? Well, I did 230. No, no. I didn't ask how many surgeries you did. I'm asking you how many rehabs you did. So why do you now, there is a reality that in some surgeries and not all that if, if there's not something on a piece of paper that, and I don't care because like those protocols, um, or basically restrictions, that like, don't do this because there's a, there's a, uh, an unfavorable risk reward that something bad might happen. So ACL, you really do have some limitations on what you should be doing, depending on the type of surgery for a few months. Now, the more you can elongate that, the better for a long-term prognosis, according to the current research. But the point is, is that you're not, you shouldn't be doing like, you know, rotational cuts at two months of your surgery. Like why? Well, because the vascularization of the ACL is not you know, the innervation, blah, blah, blah. There's the reasons that, okay, you could blow it out again. Because when, when the doc tests your knee, it's strong, and then it gets weaker and weaker and weaker, and then it gets strong again after a certain point. There are other surgeries that are far more precarious than that, meaning um, you know, some of our shoulder. If there's a repair, if, if there's something that stitches something, those are going to fall into a category where it is important to have – some kind of recommendations or restrictions. And, that, and that's okay. Because the doctors aren't the only ones that are developing that information. They're doing it with PTs that they trust, et cetera. So if you were to ask uh, uh, a very famous surgeon who works very closely with a famous physical therapist, they'll probably just say, oh, yeah, like we just let Kevin do what he, what, you know, he, he knows better than me. Um, and that takes time to develop that relationship. Now. I'll have that relationship with certain uh, folks and, and the, the best, you know, hands down uh, uh, sports and orthopedic hospital in the world is hospital special surgery. Um, you don't work there. If you have, you know, most of these guys don't no, not all, but you know, most of them, but, but they also look at me in a, in a, as a value to them, you know, from a business standpoint, uh, even even if it's just working with the clients. So there are times where I have to call the office and be like, uh, Monica, can you send me over the protocol? Uh, uh, yeah, I know it's the same, but let me just have it on record just so I know. And I actually like to have the document so I can talk about it with the, with the patient. Uh, not, not because I necessarily need to know, but I will also tell you that it was specifically for the ACL and I can send you this document. Um, it, when, when you get an ACL protocol from, from hospital special surgery, it, it's like recommendations. Like it's, 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 it clearly says they're like, you know, something to the effect that look, we, everyone has different equipment. Everyone progresses differently. Here's your hard rules, but everybody else, everything is really open-ended where I remember being a young therapist and be like, Oh my God, I don't have that. Like, what do I do? Like, like, 
or I think that's a really dumb exercise. I, how do, how do I get around? And I just, just didn't do it because uh, if it didn't jeopardize the, the repair or the reconstruction, you're not a, you can do anything you want. Like, like you're, you know, we all get battered into our heads that we're all autonomous practitioners. So you don't have to listen to anybody. Now, when it comes to, you know, these protocols and these restrictions post-surgically, you're, you're, you're probably, you know, you know, it's not worth it. Like, I don't know why I've never felt like I wanted to do something because uh, I'm conditioned that if I did this, the risk is too high. It doesn't, you know, people come in and be like, Hey, Charlie, I took my shirt off the hanger. Like, am I okay? I'm like, what do you think? You know, you, you know it, it's, it's a risk. It doesn't mean that every time you go past 90 degrees on your shoulder, it's going to fall off. Um, but I have had people that, that, that pushed too much and had to get a, another, I'm like, well, it's not nothing to me. Like, I don't have anything to do with this. I haven't even seen the person. So, um, those protocols are important, uh, particular, but, but now, Hey, if, if you just get decompressed, meaning, you know, a cleanup or, uh, they just shave some things down and, you know, you just go, go to work. Like there's no limitations. Uh, there's n- other than your own common sense. Uh, but basically you can't hurt anything. You can be annoyed. You can then continuing to train in pain or inflammatory I- a situation can lead to other issues but there was nothing to F up from that pr- surgery. So there is no, and they might still have protocols, but that one you just rip up. Like, you, you know, uh, and then I'll, and I'll even be very, very comfortable saying that uh, if it doesn't say it on the protocol to not do, meaning it's not even typed, that means you're allowed to do. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, uh, you know, so it sounds like the, the protocols are useful at least to have a unified uh, talking point to the patient. Cause they get handed so. that and they, they look at it as, a lot of patients look at that as the word of God, right? And, and it must be respected. And uh, I think that's a good point just to discuss those, those aspects. So, yeah. so before I got on the ego trip about the uh, protocols, we were talking about uh, the surgeon moves to the front of the line when necessary. And then the physical therapist moves to the front of the line when that's the, 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 the required skill set. Yeah. Well, I think when it comes when it comes after the surgical process, I think the the names of the people becomes a little more murky. We just talked for a period of time of the value of a Cairo, you know, uh, where I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but physical therapy falls under the domain, you know, and physical therapists can squawk all they want, but like it doesn't matter. Like call it whatever yes. you want. Um, we don't have the license, but we have the a lot of us have the skill set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but but you're like you're allowed to do it. Like meaning mm-hmm. uh, words are only thing that's protected by law. Most states, uh, a, a Cairo can advertise that they can provide physical therapy. They may not be able to say they're a physical therapist, but you can bill and provide some. I, I've seen this. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot, you know, in some states, uh, I, I am not allowed to say that I'm going to manipulate your spine. Uh, I am allowed to say I'm going to provide a high velocity, low amplitude thrust or a grade five mobilization, which looks strikingly similar to what uh, a Cairo would call uh, manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm allowed to say I'm going to crack your neck, which most uh, Cairo would probably be offended by. So um, it, it's a silly, silly, silly. Yeah. Now, when it, when it comes to uh, the, surgic- the surgical process, there's a degree of education that is required to practice to suck at surgery. So if you don't ever have the, the opportunity, so you see the education does drive this, this process, but 
the reality is if I go to some third world country and learn how to do it, I don't, you know, it's wrong. It's probably not safe, but I'm not sure that that person is automatically not as good as somebody else. Like, I I don't believe that. I I don't want to believe it. Um, So now after the surgical process, if you got the skills to pay the bills, that's, that's, that's what it is. And, and everybody does have the environment. We both know people that are neither chiro or physical therapist, but for a particular area, they are the best person uh, for the technique because, you know, and again, I might be responsible for some of this and I'm disappointed if, if it's true, but there's tons of seminars that non-healthcare providers can take and become a very, very bad therapist in two days. Okay. So they get a chance to start to practice these things because nothing's, it's not speeding until you get caught. And, and, and then you got these jack bags that'll say, um, oh yeah, no, trainers can come to our manual therapy course, but they're not going to be certified. And we don't expect, we expect them to practice under their, who do you think you're talking about? Like, like, do you, you think that a trainer who's spending, you know, 1295 to go to a manual therapy seminar, uh, is not going to practice these techniques with people there. So um, yeah, flew there, I, paid for the hotel room. They're yeah, in the seminar. On. You think they're going to walk out in, in these moments of, uh, of treatment? Uh, come on. It's, it's uh, and then of course the, the individuals that teach those seminars uh, like to laugh and they, what they say at dinner is, is a little bit different than what they say uh, during the, you know, the seminar. Trust me on that. So um, the, the ethics is, is a little bit different than, than what I would prefer. Hey, you might hear me talk about our app, and I want to introduce you to the company who built our app, and that is Membrant. Membrant does nothing but design custom apps for small business owners like yourself. So how powerful is this? Well, if you had a custom app, you can deliver information to the phone of your patients in a way that helps them stay connected to you and your brand. So it could be videos, recipes, advice, articles, and these aren't ones that are on YouTube for everybody to see. These are dialed in specific to people that are on your list. Now you could use this for marketing. You could also use this for patient care and people could access certain exercises that are designed specifically for them and their case within the app that has your company's logo, your branding and everything about it on there. So if you're interested, go ahead and check out membrant.com. That's membrant with a D like Rembrandt membrant.com or check it out in the show notes and we should have a link there. If you have any questions, hit me up because I think they're doing an amazing thing and it's one more way to provide better care and make a little bit more money while giving your patients what they want, which is that information and access to you. Thanks a lot. Let's turn this towards a positive. So, so you said there is no one person that owns the domain. And, uh, I think that was your first point, you know, having that skill set and whatnot. Uh, what, what is kind of the next major advancement you had made when you were really learning how to, to go about these uh, ACL rehab? The uh, similar that, that no one person uh, owns the process, um, to, to, uh, to simplify any rehabilitation of an injury, an orthopedic injury, we, use, we would use the same rules uh, as if it wasn't a surgery, like, like what would be your standards to do an exercise? Um, you can, you know, it doesn't, it, it, you have a good form, which is requires a number of different things and it doesn't hurt because you could have good form and it still hurt. Those are the two things. They, they mean a lot of things, but basically make it simple as, as possible. So 
if does your knee hurt when you do bench press? No. So you're allowed to do bench press. Um, well, it kind of hurts when I bend it. Okay. So do a floor press. Well, oh, I didn't know we we're allowed to do that. Well, you can. Uh, so that, so with that all bundles into the concept that um, by training the entire body as aggressively as you would under any other circumstance, provided it doesn't hurt and provided that there's, it's good form. And, w- and with a surgery, we'll probably add, there can't be any reverb. And I make that up. Like reverb, sometimes by creating lots of tension, you'll feel it somewhere else, which is unacceptable. So you got to dial it down. So you might not be able to bring your A plus intensity if your knee hurts or if your shoulder hurts. But the bottom line is, is that the, 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 the normal training process, as aggressively as possible but no more, establishes a humoral and hormonal profile that allows things to hurt less because you become less sensitive as your, as your nervous system normalizes. Uh, and you, you heal faster. Like training improves uh, hormonal profile. Training improves uh, T-cell abundance. Training improves uh, a, a heart that is consistent with the activities of your next activity. Uh, training improves oxidative function of all type one and type two. If you put those four things into every recipe, you start to look like a magician. Uh, now you can't go any faster with these protocols. That's inappropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is expose the, the, the body to as much stress as possible so that when you do reach the next benchmark, boom, like that you're going even faster. Uh, so, so for instance, if you train with a fracture on your, on your forearm and it's got a cast and you train the rest of your body, the reality is if you cut da- the damn cast off, your, your bone will be healed faster than six, six weeks. It, it will. And it's, it's been proven, but we're, we're not, we're not advocating that we're advocating so that when the cast does come off and you're medically cleared, you're closer to a, a, a more proper uh, return to activity and you'll be able to do more, which will get you closer to your end game. So uh, the, the concept that, that, you know, I just wasn't, you know, you know, again, it's become my calling card to a degree, but the, the humoral and hormonal factors that are uh, improved from, from a training process allows the healing process to be accelerated. Then again, that doesn't mean you accelerate through the protocol, but, you're trying to expose the body to as much ideal stress as possible. And when it wins, the, the, your body doesn't know. Like, if you improve these XYZs, it doesn't just go to your knee. It doesn't just go to your chest. Like, you know, I, I had a call the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I would rather a young athlete do, uh, go to the gym and bench press than go to some flunky physical therapist where some high school kid is, is – pulling the pin on a leg press while their knee hurts. Now that's a very sensational commentary, but I think at least you're not hurting their knee. You know, and, and uh, you know, I'm also suggesting that they're going to be doing other things along with this bench press. But um, that would be the second concept that uh, you train along with that. If I can just piggyback a question, how uh, important, and did you change your stance? Did you realize it? Did you, um, did this change at all? How important is, High intensity conditioning, high intensity cardiovascular exercise, whatever, whatever you're going to say that in that process. So, you know, you have that, that individual go to the gym, do the bench press, do pull ups. 
did you also come to the realization or did you lower the value of a specific cardiovascular? Yeah, yeah. I know you talked about interval training, so I'm going to guess you went there, but whatever you. Well, the, 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 uh, interval is not, not the, the way I would describe it because you can do intervals in a lot of different ways. Um, high intensity, you know, where your, your heart rate is in a period, um, above 85%. Um, I describe that as it magically uh, intervalizes itself, right? Yeah. You have no choice. Yeah. Um, but I would consider that concentric heart work, uh, training versus eccentric. So they're both very important, um, where the concentric, your heart rate gets so high. So the reason for being there so that you can punch, you can punch hard, punch hard. But because it, it, the heart rate is going so fast, you don't get a chance to fill up the heart, which is more, uh, when I say concentric and eccentric, I'm talking about the left ventricle. So uh, because during, during a rehabilitation process, you're already taxed for your biological resources, I would actually skew more towards eccentric heart work which is going to be well, uh, which is going to be 80, below 85%, where you're primarily using oxygen, whereas it's not so much that you're using oxygen, it's that you're not uh, building uh, acidosis, which the body is already uh, suffering from, from pain and inflammation, et cetera. So if you choose training strategies that, that, that add acidosis, when you don't have to, now you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Uh, so it's not this, you know, just train and everything's fine. Um, there's, there's some scales here of, of just like if someone was to me, injury is a form of under recovery. So if you are under recovered, adding more, uh, training methods and protocols that have high cost, high reward, are probably not that efficient during that period of time. Now, for those that are aware, there's, you know, heavy bench press is going to build up acidosis. It is not, like there, you, you do require, you know, mild to, to, to moderate levels of acidosis and hypoxia in order to create some changes. And if you're doing it away from the surgical area, then this shouldn't be a problem. But when you talk about using your whole body uh, for conditioning or cardio or whatever that word that, that clicks, I would steer very, very clear uh, from, from high intense uh, intervals where intensity is 100% uh, and in even in longer intervals. And there's always an end around. Like when you know the rules, you break the rules. And you, when you understand physiology, if you really do feel it's necessary to throw ropes, you know, 100%, I don't know too many humans that can throw ropes a hundred percent longer than, you know, seven to eight seconds. Um, and when I, and, and, that, and then when people find that to be strange, they would actually find it strange to actually do something a hundred percent. Like they know, no one know. most people don't even know what a hundred percent intensity is. So I think that's what you're alluding to. And, and if we look at training methods that have high cost, we have to bounce that off against what the body is asking for at the moment. So it doesn't mean you don't train hard. It just means you match things uh, yeah. to the to what the body is asking part, for. It. Part of the reason I'm asking that is going back to this population we're speaking of, that like Vince Gabriel worked with the adolescent. Uh, a lot of times they have never gotten very intense with weight training or any sort of anything in the gym, 
and and yet they can run for days. They can, you know, they can sprint a hill, but it's moving weight. They kind of look like uh, olive oil sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. For those who remember the Popeye cartoon. So uh, I got that. I got. I do. You. <clears throat> well, I know you're you're of that age, but uh, for those listening, and so I just I just wonder if that gives them a window of finding that the top gear. Absolutely. In any, when, in any sense. Any, uh, the, 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 the frank improvement, uh, of contractile force simply creates a more efficient, you know, human, human model. Um, so when you, if, if for the same amount of effort, your muscle can create more force, uh, and, and there's a motor strategy that's efficient with that, well, then you're going to deload other systems of the body, both physiologically and orthopedically. So, I think I think that the, the biggest understanding is is and and maybe here's an example when when Ben Johnson and I don't care about steroids every single guy in that race in 1988 uh, was uh, either has been pegged or is lying uh, so um, Ben Johnson finished the his last six weeks of training for Seoul uh, with bench press only because he didn't want you know him and Charlie Francis didn't really feel that the soreness that the type of leg training that he was, so why did they do it? Well, like his bench press kept his hormonal profile, albeit supplemented from other things, kept it as, as maximized as possible. So now, now that's a unique example because sprinting itself is a modality, is an mm-hmm. exercise, it's training. But it's not like when you bench press, you're not using your whole body. Like, like it, it, yes, you're using your chest and your shoulders, but the, 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 the compensation that, that makes your chest and shoulders bigger and stronger, that is not exclusive to this one little area. Like it, it's, it's pronounced there, but you know, like, why would you have little girls do pull-ups, you know, when they have a sprained ankle? Hey, you know what? Little girls that, that can nail pull-ups don't hurt their ankles. And, and that's, uh, that's in a journal that I am an editor of. It's in the, it's called the journal of common sense. And uh, it, it's, it's uh, there's no reason not to. Because like going back to what we talked about a little while ago, this is like their chance. Like, why wouldn't you expose them to these things? And, and because that's a, a something that, that, that I use a lot. Okay, so in theory, if you sprain your ankle or hurt your knee, there's something at your pelvis. You know, there's a glute medius problem. Well, if you strengthen the lats, you know the lats engage to the lumbar, uh, thoracolumbar fascia, which with proper tension can then allow for a posterior tilt and put the glute medius in a more, blah, 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 blah. So, no, that, that again, that's being sensational, but it's actually true. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, the again, the the humoral. Tra- if you know how to train for humoral and hormonal factors, which are more macro qualities, instead of I'm training the bench press just so my chest gets stronger or bigger, which is a secondary or tertiary quality. That's a whole other topic. But the mm-hmm. bottom line is, people heal faster when they have those four qualities, which is bucketed as hormonal profile, T-cells, an activity-specific heart, and oxidative function of all type 1 and type 2 fibers. Um, that's why you train hard when you have surgery. All right. I'm, re- I'm rethinking these buckets and uh, as this applies to low back pain, actually, is, is where my mind is going. Like, how would you do this differently? But we're talking ACL. So, so going back to the ACL, uh, you, you, you've shared these two tips. What's the, what's the third one? What's the third area where you've changed or your, your process? Yeah. And by the way, before we go on, I just want to make sure everybody knows 
the, the coursework, where can they find the coursework if they're like, I, I love what this guy's saying. I see ACLs all the time. I want to buy it. Oh, um, charliewinegroff.com. And I'm pretty sure after that, you'll, you should be able to find it. But right. we, we, we have um, all, all of my um, the stuff that I've produced. There's a couple other things out there that other people produced that I was a part of. Um, is all on a streaming platform. It's called T equals R plus and very creative, right? And uh, uh, it's all right there. Uh, so mm-hmm. all the all the Train Eagles Rehab uh, products are there. Train Eagles Rehab kettlebells. Um, and th- those are all like on demand. There's a level below that that we have accumulated every article, every vlog, and, and I'm pretty sure every podcast that I've ever done. And it's all, it's all for free. Um, so it might be interesting sometimes, uh, to go back to the stuff that I wrote in 2010. I'm like, Hey, like that's actually still what I say. Oh, I would say yeah. right now. Um, you, 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 you well know that, uh, there's a little less bite in my, uh, speaking style as there was back then. Uh, but a zebra doesn't change his stripes. So that's uh charliewinegroff.com T equals R plus is, uh, is where you can get ACL in action. Okay, great. Now the, the the third piece that that you're asking about is is this return to play concept, and it's actually nothing to do with or very little to do with the with the rehab process or the testing process uh, to actually return to play. It's running those metrics when you're healthy, uh, and whether it's wearables uh, or you know how many gym owners literally write down the weights that the person used every single time. Like, so if you're looking to see if a person is at whatever arbitrary percentage of what they used to be, well, first of all, I think they should be 105% because hundred percent got them hurt uh, or, or as part of the context that got them hurt. Certainly you step in a ditch. There isn't a whole lot, you know, they, that, you know, kind of bets are off a little bit, but um, whether it's, you know, when we look at using even just heart rate, um, if 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 someone is in your is in is your athlete and they're doing great and they step in a ditch and then you know we're now twelve months later and they're going you 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 know what you did with them a year ago so you're going to look at metrics and see well hey when we did this conditioning test they covered the same amount of ground and they they have no pain so that's good. But his heart rate is 17 beats higher, and it took an extra, you know, 32 seconds for it to get down to 60%. That person is not ready to, to return. Or if they are ready to return, it's not 100%. So, like, that's the other thing, you know. So it's not about, like, if you return. There's, there's people that could play in, in a game, and they just need to be, like, doing ice hockey shifts instead of playing – you know, nine minutes and 23 seconds before their ACL gives out uh, or their, their Achilles gives out. I dropped the line. Um, but, uh, you know, appreciating, you know, if you're at higher levels, um, and, I, and I think because of its convention in, in American football, uh, in, in global football and soccer, wearing GPS at the lower level, at the youth levels, is not so weird anymore. Um, now, whether they're valid and reliable is a whole other story. But, you know, like what did, like, so how, how hard did you have to work to accomplish the same thing? And you can now have some kind of metric that can tell you that where you might look great, 
and you're hitting all your cuts and, and your force is, is awesome, but physiologically you're spending much more. So what that tells us is that you're going to cross over that 85% magical line into, I don't call it this, but you know, lactic you know, environment, which is high cost. Uh, and, and, and you basically need to make them more fit, not necessarily more strong, not necessarily more dynamically stabilized. They need to be more fit because if you're going to get it, 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 it exposed to acidosis and hypoxia sooner than you feel you're supposed to, you have now engaged in you know, an entire cascade that it doesn't explain injury limitation but it explains injuries where like, how did this happen out of nowhere? Well, Mm -hmm. one thing that you're not looking at is humoral and hormonal factors. And uh, if the, if if the entire rehabilitation process does not uh, have a significant focus on conditioning and, and having as maximal output uh, for these cheaper energy systems, well then that's that in my mind, that's why, People are not coming back. So, so when we look at return to play, like, how do you even know? Like, what did they do before? You don't know. Uh, and that's a very challenging thing because, yeah. you know, the, a lot of times these, these kids are engaging in rehab uh, and they never trained before. And I think my opinion is that's where this two year thing is coming from, where uh, research, you know, and, or, or commentaries, I'm not sure, you know, the level of research that these things. You know, where a lot of folks are talking about um, you should be out for two years. And we, we do have some anecdotal, you know, following pro sports. Okay, yeah, they're not really who they are until two years. Well, maybe it's because your rehab is trash uh, because other people do come back at a, at a very impressive level. Um, yeah, so I don't know that there's a clear answer, but that third piece would be using technology and very, very precise before and after. Because if you're only going to look at after, like that may not be what that person was before. Um, so that yeah, we're that, using that the term return. We're using the term return, but inherently, like that would uh, almost necessitate prior knowledge of of their levels. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and instead, we're using these 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 norms. Yeah, we're guessing. In my to mind. Return. Yeah, in my mind, they just don't, they don't apply. So now what would I do? Like, let's say I, I'm handling someone and I don't know these, these metrics. We're going to train the holy hell out of them and be like, okay, for a 305-pound defensive lineman, this is, good, this is pretty good. But you don't know what pretty good is, is for a 14-year-old kid. Like, like they, they, there's no standards. Uh, you don't, you don't kind of know. You don't have any idea. Um, so that would be something. And it's like just a heart rate monitor. You know, like, you know, like if you, if you run a mile, you can run a mile in six minutes and have an average heart rate of 140. And you could also run a mile in six minutes and have an average heart rate of 160. Those are two incredibly different environments. One of which you are paying much more to cross the finish line in, in the same amount of time. It's like gas mileage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you got there. So, and your knee didn't hurt. But if you, that means something. And, and that's, uh, that's, that was something that was, it, we just talked about it on the, on the DVD. Like there was no demonstration of anything because it would be very specific to individuals. Mm-hmm. But I've heard lots of, you know, you know, situations where like, 
dude, he looks great. Like he's, he's awesome. I'm like, dude, if you look, because the, it was the same coaching staff. So they're running the same drills. And because there are metrics at the professional sports level, you're like, look, like he's trash. Like he, he's, I, I, I don't care if, if he's getting uh, by on, they say in golf would say you're getting by on course knowledge. Like you're, you know, no, where he's, it rolls. It he's paying. Yeah. yeah. He's paying for that, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where, where course knowledge would uh, mitigate the cost. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so he knows the drill, but he still has to go sideline to sideline. And these, you know, if you believe in, in certain metrics, they can give you an appreciation of how hard you have to work in order to make the play. And that is a significant piece that is not being uh, uh, talked about. And, and that, that, that also is, is buddied with, you know, a little bit of a bite. I don't, I don't see that there's significant legitimate research on return to play from non-healthcare providers. So hmm. you're allowed to have a PhD and be a strength coach uh, and run this type of research. Um, but we don't see too much. Most of the research that we see in return to play is from physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons that did the surgery who are probably not doing much of anything during the, 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 the sample collection. And so if a physical therapist, they're they're only going to do what's in their lens. So there's certainly high value to hopping and and the different types of things that that we see. But I'd like to see other things uh, that are probably not maximal load, but maybe more maximal physiology. Interesting. This is, uh, this is great. So, so Charlie, along with the, along with what you've just talked about, what, what's the most exciting change that you've seen in the industry? Cause you're, as we spoke of your tip of the spear, you're, you're out there looking and, and always trying to find new things. What's, what's the most exciting ability in the last two years that you've gained? I mean, is it the, the wearable technologies? Is it the proliferation of GPS? Is it uh, some ability to measure something or, or, um, I'm, so, I'm trying to think. I mean, we've been putting hands on people for, you know, millennia. So, well, I think, I think uh, uh, if, if we're looking at these, these measurables, um, I don't know that the, any of them are new. Of course, technology makes things, you know, different levels of efficiency. But where, where we, we can attach beliefs to what those measurables mean and then act upon them. So whether, whether that belief is grounded in your heuristic uh, or it's grounded in a piece of paper that somebody else wrote two years ago uh, that just got uh, published in, in your favorite journal, whatever you believe, now we, we can look at some of these technologies and be like, that should help me make my next decision. Just like um, if you put your hands on somebody, you now believe that if you do this, this other thing will happen. Or, or if, you, if, you, if you see someone's knee buckle in, you do this because you believe this next thing is going to happen. So now there's another layer of things that we can't necessarily see or touch that can help us make a next decision. And just like when you put your hands on somebody or see their knee buckle in, everything is a blinking yellow light. You are allowed to let your knee buckle in. We have seen many, many people squat and jump with a significant amount of weight and jump very, very high with their knees buckling in. 
you know, not, not, it's a, it's a risk. So that nothing's ever red light, green light. Um, and that's not an indemnification for people to be bad coaches and, and therapists. It's, it's the truth. So the technology, just like what I just said with, you know, kind of getting a palpation, um, or, uh, or, or looking at mechanics, you, you're not obliged to, to, to do something. You know, you, there might be a reason why you don't want to, um, from a number, it's the same thing with the technology. So it's not, nothing is ever red light, green light. Everything is, is blinking yellow and it's about your decision to, to act on it. That, be, that begins with the belief of, okay, like I believe very much that if you've got six wheels on your back, your knee buckling in is a bad thing. But if you're, if you're in the middle of a game and you you know, land on one leg, your knee buckles, and all of a sudden, guys do- dove by you because they were faked out. Well, maybe it's not such a bad idea. So that's um, that's it, it, it gives you something to believe in, and yeah, everybody everybody's got to believe in something. And last question for you: Let's say that there's somebody listening out there that's graduating. They're still in school. They're going to graduate. They're less than one year from graduation. Uh. What's one tip you could give them so they could have a uh, a career that you know may uh, may come to a point where they're getting paid fourteen thousand dollars an hour for for services? I gotta find that dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll work for him and make seven. Um, uh, most of the time, that question is is phrased with somebody that's you know challenged by the they they they're exposed to more contemporary models and and the schooling is not always there so you know the the more canned answer is like dude just 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 pass the damn test and, and we'll worry about it then i don't think that's the question so i got to come up with something better than that um find find a uh you know obviously pass the test and find a work environment that allows you to to make mistakes um so that you can feel really good about you know, the, the cliche of, oh my God, I can't believe that I did that five years ago because people could say whatever, like about what, you know, my, my story, but that's the truth. Like, like uh, I could go even five, like last year, maybe I, there's something that like, and it may not always be clinical, but if you can, if you can make mistakes and not have this incredible price to pay, you know, you got to pay something. But the only way to get better is by making mistakes. And like, you could you could have the biggest, baddest ego you want, and you could think you know everything. Just just deep down, like you're you're allowed to to make mistakes, because the only way you're ever gonna get better is by making mistakes. Like, uh, otherwise, you you're only gonna be that good. If you think you're that good right now, then I need to. You deserve fourteen grand an hour. <laughs> yeah. It breaks my heart when I, when I talk with people and, you know, we'll run into them five years later on the road and just they'll, they'll talk about something that's eerily similar to what they talked about five years previous and that they were teaching five years before that. And I'm like, are we yeah. still, we're still doing this? Anyways. Yeah. I mean, that's I remember okay. reading, you know, Google, the Google found that the number one uh, factor in innovation was trust of your coworkers, you know, trust that they're not going to just bag you when they get the chance and, 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 uh, and that trust might mean, hey, we know you screwed up, but we're still here for you. Like, we'll support yeah, you any yeah. way we can. 
So yeah, there's a uh, with Canada basketball. We have um, it's just a one 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 slide, but it's a uh, we, we. So this is kind of like my role, and we have systems and processes. Uh, clinical, which is a lot of what we're talking about. Um, there's my Canadian accent. Uh, the um, the then there's there's data analysis, which is you know, another another piece. Uh, and then there's uh, social systems and processes, which um, if if that young uh, clinician, um, and, I, and I'll be happy to you know, send you the slide. It's nothing proprietary because it's all you know, a good slide is, doesn't have a lot on it. Um, if they could, you know, uh, you know, find situations where they can make those mistakes, but they're safe enough. And, and safety is one of our four uh, core values of, of social systems and processes. Um, the, 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 uh, you're, you'll be nice. Like you'll be good. Find, find safe. Like, Hey, what would you use the word safe to describe that situation? Well, I don't think anybody's going to punch me. No, no. Is it safe? Like, like it means a lot of things. Can you say whatever you want as long as you're not using bad language or, or, you know, and, and not be in fear that you're going to have be reprimanded or lose your job or lose an opportunity. Um, safety is the first, the first one. And, uh, uh, like search for safety. Like that's, that's a, uh, um, that's a, uh, uh, maybe one way to, to start the, this process. All right. Well, Charlie, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I feel like it always goes long because you're such a, a well of incredible information and, and it's, I know it's peppered with mistakes of which you have vowed to never make again. And so I've done your best. Uh, to... I, uh, I own them though. I, yeah. I own them and, and I'm glad I can, uh, look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I did that. And I won't do it again. I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. That's why you got the goatee, right? Just cover up all the shots you've taken to the chin and moved on. I was just too lazy to shave it off this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. Well, once again, can you share where people can find your information if they're, if they're interested and they like what they're hearing? Yep. Yep. CharlieWeingroff.com. Uh, and there, there's two layers, aside from other things, there's two layers to that site. One is totally free. So you can troll around and, 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 you know, everything's there. Um, there might be some podcasts with you if, if mm-hmm. as long as we found them, uh, on the internet, uh, uh, and, uh, and then all of the products are available at T equals R plus, uh, eventually there will be a third level uh, of the site. Um, that'll be a little bit different than those two, but, uh, charliewinegroff.com and, uh, C H Weingroff on Instagram and C Wagon seventy five in uh, on on Twitter. So uh, that's uh, huh. I said in the Twittersville. Yeah, yeah. So I use Twitter more than other people. I like Twitter. It's easy. Uh, oh, I don't. Uh, I don't have to take. A I have ceased with that. It it just seems to. Uh, I don't know. I, I I worry about some of the people commenting on there that. You know what else is going on in your life? Do you need a hug? Uh, Do you need an intervention? What's going on? Oh yeah, that that no, I I use I use social media for my very pointed purposes. Um, you know, I'll tell somebody that's close to me, you know, something happened. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, because I only put on social media what I feel like putting on there. Mm-hmm. It's not it, this is not an open book to to my life. Are you going to know what I choose that you know? <laughs> there you go. So all right, all right, man. 
Well, I appreciate the time. And uh, on behalf of uh, Charlie Weingroff, this is Josh Saturday saying go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Chuck. You got it, man. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.